we should celebrate. So over the last year, so year to year, birthday to birthday, third birthday to fourth birthday, the Meadows Church, your church, my church, us, we've seen 140 people make decisions for Christ over the last year. God's making a huge impact. I wrote it down. 58 people were baptized this last year. Give it up. 58, give it up. We will never stop celebrating what God is doing. That's a snapshot. I'm not even talking about all the people that were set free financially, all the marriages that are being restored, all the people that are breaking through addiction, all, all the family units that were once torn apart are coming back together. And here's the thing, even as I say that, some of you, your finances are upside down. Well, we love you and we want to walk with you. And some of you, the family is dysfunctional and it's messed up and it's, it's far apart. Thank God you're here. This is the beginning of a new day and a new season for you. That's what it is. Some of you, you're lost yourself. Oh, did you pick a good weekend to come to church? Let me tell you where it all began. One day I was, I was sitting on my couch in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and I was leading a, 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 I was a campus pastor, not a lead pastor, but a campus pastor of a campus that was growing big time and uh, really flourishing. And uh, I was reading the word of God and I was reading Psalm 23. I'll read it to you. It's uh, the first three verses. The Lord is my shepherd, it says. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. I kid you not, I read that scripture and I close the Bible and it's like, I didn't hear God audibly, but might as well have. And it's like, this is the church. As I read about the rest and the renewal and the strength and what we get when we gather together, I thought that's the church. I mean, the church is where we, we, we're reminded, I hope you're reminded of God's love for you. God's love for you and his plan for your life. That, that, that God is just getting started in your life. I wrote it down. It reminds me of that, that God is all I need. That's what it said. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. The church, a place where we can come together and we can celebrate like we've already been doing. What God has done and yet all that God wants to do. A, a, a church where we can, we can um, be strengthened by the word of God. We can be filled up with God's grace, with God's glory, with God's mercy. This church where we, where we get some direction and guidance from God on what? On leading our families, on, on loving our neighbors, on living on purpose. This is God's church, I thought. And God started to birth this, this Meadows Church idea. And here we are four years later. And God is just, God is just doing incredible things. He is our guide. He is our shepherd. And I thought about the guidance and direction piece. And it made me think, and I'm going to ask you a question. Online, hand raise emoji if it applies to you. In the room, raise your hand, obviously. How many of you are like me when it comes to guidance and direction? How many of you are like me and you're, you say you're directionally challenged, let's say? You're, you're prone to getting lost. Bryce, his hand went up. Your obedience. That's good, Bryce. Okay, so a lot of you are disobedient. And that's why you're in church. So that's okay. We'll try to fix that. So my hand's up. My hand is way up. So here's the deal. I, uh, I'm prone to getting lost in my car. And somebody will say, well, wait a minute. You have GPS, right? Yep. You use it? Yep. And you still get lost? Yep. See, 
what you need to understand is this evil woman Siri that lives in my phone. She's she don't so I don't I try not to stare at my directions on my phone. I try to like just listen as I'm driving so I don't actually wreck my car. So um, I'm, I, I listen to her and here's what she'll do to me. I don't know she, how she is for you. She's a jerk to me. I will she'll say like turn on 150th Street. Well she says it turn right after I've driven through 150. I mean I okay seven seconds ago would have been better Siri. I, I would have been able to do it. It's just. I hate getting lost, and I still do. I hate losing things. I, okay, I'm going to tell you another story. Uh, probably a few months ago, I splurged on, on some AirPods. You know what AirPods are? Those little little tiny things that you put in your ear, the earbuds or whatever. Well, here, number one, I know what Apple's up to. Okay, Tim Cook or whoever you are, if you're listening. I know, I know your game. You make them so tiny that you will lose them, and then we have to buy another pair and another pair. I know what you're doing. So, but my, those, those AirPods of mine, you know where they're at right now? Neither do I. Okay? I don't either. They've been lost for a month. And a, and a friend of mine, he's like, because I've been a month. And he's like, well, use the Find My app. You, you, you use your phone. You got the Find My app. They got the Find My app. You just click the Find My app, and then it'll find your AirPods. But you know what, buddy? I've, I've clicked the Find My app, and it hasn't found anything. It searches. It just says searching. Searching. But never finding anything. So you know what? Maybe you need to use the Kiss My app. And I don't, you know, I just... Welcome to Meadows Church. Here we go. So, you know, come back next week. It'll be more of the same. So anyway, so what I want you to know is this. We've all lost stuff, right? You, maybe you've lost your earbuds. Maybe you've lost your phone. God knows I have. Maybe you've lost remotes. Maybe you've lost your car keys. Maybe you've lost your sanity. Come on. Um, whatever. Maybe it's not something you lost. Maybe it's the fact that you feel lost. Maybe you feel lost in an area of your life. Maybe it's in a relationship where you don't understand it. Maybe you're lost in a mess. You're lost in chaos. Um, you're lost in addiction. Maybe it's you. There's something in you that's off. It's lost. I've got good news for you today. Jesus, in a series called Know What You're For, say four. In a series called Know What You're For, Jesus is for lost things. Jesus is for the lost. And I tell you what, I'll, I'll prove it to you. There's a, there's a chapter in Luke. Luke is one of the, the gospels, they're called. They tell the story of Jesus. Gospel just means good news. So Luke wrote a, a, a book about Jesus. And he, and he wrote down a lot of the things that he saw Jesus do and heard Jesus did. And in that, chapter 15, Luke dedicates an entire chapter to lost things. The, the whole thing. So if you brought a Bible or you got your mobile app, go to Luke 15, and I'll summarize the first two stories and, and read the third to you. What's weird about Luke 15 is all three stories, the parables they're called, these, these illustrations that Jesus is teaching, guess what? They all tell the same story. I was like, Jesus, you're being redundant. I mean, you, you tell a story, and then you, you tell it again, and then you tell it again. And I really didn't get it. I didn't understand it. Is God still in the house? Okay, all right, just make sure. All right, so... <laughs> I don't know what's going on. So anyway, um, so, so I'll, sum, I'll summarize the first two stories for you. A sheep. Jesus uses the illustration of a sheep, which I appreciate because I grew up in our, in our farm and we raised sheep. We didn't lose them, we rode them, <laughs> okay? I kind of wish I wouldn't have said that out loud. But anyway, so, anyway, so whatever. So Jesus says a sheep wanders off and gets lost. And then he says, won't the shepherd leave the 99, because he has 100? Won't he leave the 99 and go after the one? And when he finds the one, won't he bring it back and then gather friends and family and, and celebrate? That's what he says in the first story that he tells. And at the end of that story about the sheep that gets lost, he says, if I can find it, I, 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 
He says in the scripture, in the same way, heaven will be happier, happier over one lost person who returns to God. I thought that's interesting. And then he hits the story again. But instead of a sheep, he uses a coin. And he says, if a woman loses her uh, a valuable coin, won't she look under every nook and cranny of the house until she finds that coin? And when she finds her lost coin, she'll call up her friends and she'll call up her relatives and they'll rejoice over this coin. And then he says kind of the same thing at the end of that story. He says, uh, the same joy is among the angels when one sinner repents. And then the third story, again, it's about a son that, 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 that is lost. You might know it as the story of the prodigal son. Prodigal doesn't even mean lost, it means wasteful, but the son does get lost. So I'm going to unpack this story. And, and in this story, oh my gosh, well, I, I don't want to spoil it for you, so, but I want to read it to you. And I'm going to pray because I need, God to, I need God to move in this. His word promises that when it goes forth, which it's going to go forth, that it's going to change lives. I'm praying that your life is changed. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, as the word goes forth in Luke 15, Father, I pray that you will move in the hearts and the minds of people, that we will put ourselves right in the middle of this story, God. You will speak directly to our hearts, and you will give us direction. You will give us guidance. And for those of us that feel lost in an area of our life, we're going to be found in that area of our life. In Jesus' name, and we all say, amen. amen. To illustrate the point further, as if you haven't already done it enough, Jesus, Jesus says, here's the story. A man has two sons. Say two. He's got two sons. The younger son told his dad, I want my share of the estate before you die. Now understand something. Look up here. Understand this. If a son were to say that in this day and age, or that day and age, that is, that is like saying, Dad, I, w I don't even, I don't care about you. I, you might, you're dead to me. That's what he's saying. Because it was only until the after the father died that they would ever give the sons their share of the estate. So the fact that the son was saying, hey, I'll take my cash now, Dad. He's saying, Dad, you're dead to me. I don't, give, I don't care about you. I'm going to do my own thing. That's what he's saying. That's how much of a statement this was. So the father does it. The father agrees to divide the wealth and gives it to the sons. Verse 13, it says, A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings, and he moved to a distant land. And there he wasted it all on wild living. Lord knows we've never done that, right? I mean, I, I, maybe other people have, but I haven't. I mean, I'm just going to say it. I, there's, there's times, I mean, don't, don't tell me you don't have things that you, you wish you could forget. you got things that you don't even remember that you did. I'm so grateful, and I've said this before, that when I was growing up, there was no smartphones, there was no social media, because if there was, there would be a very good chance I would not be your pastor, but I'd be someone's cellmate, okay? I'm just speaking the truth up here. So, thank you, Lord, for that. He didn't have... <laughs> He didn't have that, but, but he had the story that Jesus was telling. And Jesus captures this and says, This son has wasted everything, all that he was given from the father. And when the money ran out, it says a great famine swept over the land. He began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into, into the field to feed the pigs. This would be the worst of the worst. The, understand the audience is Jewish. And the Jewish uh, audience would have nothing to do with, with, with pigs at all very unclean animal. So the fact that he's working with pigs, is it's bigger than just uh, working with pigs. It, there's a lot of significance there. The young man was so hungry, even the pod that he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. They, they wouldn't even give him pig food. It, that scene is crazy. So the, what, what Jesus is illustrating there is illustrating the fact that I think he's illustrating what sin does in our life. I, I, I think he's emphasizing the destruction that it is. I've always told you that sin will fascinate and then it'll assassinate. It, it does. 
Like, like sin will promise you success and deliver failure every time. Sin will promise satisfaction, but it will leave you empty. Sin will promise you freedom, but, it, but what, it, what, what it will turn you into is a slave. Okay? That's what it does. Sin offers everything, but it's all a lie. Jesus offers everything, and it's all true. It's not just true, but it's truth that sets you free. Who the sun sets free? Who the sun sets free? Sin is a lie. It lies. And it lied to the boy. It said, you know what? Take all your stuff, and you'll live a happy life. You don't need your brother. You don't need your dad. Lie, 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 lie. And now he's with the pigs. Let's pick it back up. Verse 17 says he finally comes to his senses. The boy finally comes to his senses. He says, you know, man, even when I was at home, or even at home, the hired servants for my dad, they get food. There's enough to spare. And I'm here dying of hunger. I can't even eat the pig food. And then he says, I'm gonna go, I'll go home. That's what I'll do. And I'll say to my father, dad, I've sinned against heaven. And I've sinned against you. And, and, and that's what I'll say to him. And I'm no longer worthy to be, even be called your son for what I've done. But just take me on. Just hire me. Like one of the workers that isn't even related to you. Just I'll be, I'll be that. That's what I'll do. So that's what he does. In the next verse it says he does that. He goes home. And it says as he's returning home to the father. It says while he was still a long way off. That's significant. His father saw him coming. That means his father was looking. Every day. A long way off. And then his father. This kills me. His father is filled with love and compassion. The son basically tells the father, drop dead, I don't care about you, and leaves. The, the father sees the son coming home. He's not filled with anger. He's not filled with contempt. He's not filled with rage. He's not filled with revenge. He's not filled with resentment. He's filled with love and compassion. He runs to the son. He can't even wait for the son to get to the house. I'll meet you halfway. He embraces him. He kisses him. And his son says, his son says just what he said he would. He says this. He says, I've sinned against both heaven and you, Dad. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Quick, grab the finest robe and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his shoes. Kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine. He was dead and now he's returned to life. This son of mine was lost, but now he is found. And I love this next statement. So let the party begin. This, that statement, that is why the church that you've entered into today, Meadows Church, will always look less like a funeral and more like a party. Because when dead things come back to life and lost people come home, I'm telling somebody, we have something to celebrate. We do. And it's happening all the time. So they celebrate. Do you notice when the son said he's given the father a spiel? He's like, I've sinned, Father, against heaven and you. And, and he's going to tell him, just hire me on as a, a servant. The father doesn't even let him finish. He interrupts him. Not even listening. He's like, whatever. My God, all I see is my son. All I see is my lost son, and he's home. Get the robe, get the sandals, get everything. He doesn't let the father finish. But isn't that what love does? I wrote, I wrote it down. I said, under the law, see, the law and love are, are two different things. Under the well, well, heck, for this story, under the law, by rights, they, they would execute the kid. They could. Based on what he did to the family, and, and, and the disrespect and all that, that would be grounds for being stoned back in that day. But, but, but they don't have a funeral, they have a feast. But if he was treated fairly, they'd have a funeral. What does love say? I kept writing it down. What does love say I should do? I'm convinced that if we would ask ourselves that question before we respond to somebody, 
and really reflect on it, you might respond differently. If we ask ourselves that question before we send that email, before we click send on that text, if we would ask ourselves, what does love say I should do? Because, because what, does, what does love say in the fathers? The law says you can, you, you can kill him for what he did. You could kill him. What does love say? You know what love says? Take him back. Swine smell and all. Take him back. That's what love says. And that's exactly what he did. It, it is so, this story, so, and it's far from over. So the son is back. And I'll tell you, the story, I'm going to give you the rest of it here in a second, but I'm going to tell you there's a spo- spoiler coming. It's not what you think it was with this story. It wasn't what I thought it was most of my life. By the way, a pet peeve of me, just so you know me a little bit, when it comes to spoiler alerts, I, I hate them. Like, like, two things will get you kicked out of meadows. Come dress like a clown, and you're leaving, okay? That's number one. Number two, we watch a movie together or a show, and you, you tell me the ending before the ending happens, you're, you're dead to me, okay? You're dead to me. It's over. Last, right? Last night, we were watching a show, me and the family. I, Jody and Ava wanted to, like, read. You can, you can kind of read the summary before you watch the show. They are like, oh, let's read what it's about. I said, no, we're not going to read it. I said, we're going to watch it. We'll know what it's about. I mean, it, it, there's a reason we're in family counseling. So, it was crazy. So, so, so uh, spoiler alert. I, I, and, I, I did, and it started, I mean, pray for your pastor. I still carry some resentment. I'm just being honest, from like two decades ago. And I might have told you the story before. But two decades ago, I was watching that movie, The Sixth Sense, with Bruce Willis. It, it, it ruined me. The, the movie didn't ruin me. My roommate's girlfriend ruined me. She did. I was watching it with my roommate. And we're watching it. I'd never seen it before. And his girlfriend comes over. She's like, oh, The Sixth Sense with Bruce. I've seen this movie so many times. It's so good. I'm like, well, I'd like to know it too. Just be, you know, I'm watching it for the first time. And she's like, and then she says it. Right, just blurts it out. She says, can you believe that the character that Bruce Willis is playing, can you believe he's dead the whole time? And I was like, I'll murder you. <laughs> I, 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 I was just like, I was so, I was like, you're, I, what, what level of evil is that? I mean, I told her, I said, you, gotta, you, you need to go. And then my roommate's so funny, he says, honey, you actually should. <laughs> I've never seen him this mad before. I was, I was like, are you kidding me? So I was so upset. And people give me crap about that. But you know what? If, if people spoil it for me, what if I spoiled some things for you? So let me just have a little fun with you. Um. And if you haven't seen these movies, you, you deserve them to get spoiled anyway because you had your chance. So let me just, let me just go down a little, little road if I can. The second installment of Star Wars. Some of you, you've heard of it, right? The Empire Strikes Back, and you know what I'm about to say, don't you? Guess what? Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. It's true. Spoiler alert. So take that. Yeah, I'm not even done. Avengers Infinity War, right? You've seen that movie? Well, guess what? Spoiler alert. At the end of the movie, Thanos, he's, he's the bad guy and he wins. That's right. I couldn't believe it. I was sitting in the movie theater. I wanted to give up, get up and just start clapping. But I was afraid all the marble nerds that were bawling were going to attack me. So I didn't do it. So, I mean, it was insane. Yeah, Thanos wins in that movie. I love it so much. So, I'm not even done. I'll keep going. So, how about, how about Tangled? Remember the movie Tangled? You know, Rapunzel with the long, beautiful flowing hair? Well, guess what? Spoiler alert. At the end of the movie, all of her hair gets chopped off. And guess what? Spoiler alert number two. She's not even a real blonde. She's a brunette. So take that. 
And it, since we're going down the road of Disney, how about this? Frozen, your cherished Frozen. You know Hans, the dashing prince, and him and Anna. Oh, they're the perfect couple. Well, guess what? At the end of the movie, Hans isn't the good guy. He's the bad guy. Spoiler alert. Take that. If you have a problem with anything I just said, let it go. Let it go. Okay. Oh, there. Rant. Maybe over. Whew. Just had to get it out. So, let, let, let me give you the spoiler alert in, in the story. The younger son, you ready for this? The younger son that was living with the pigs for a while, he wasn't the lost son. The older son was. Verse 28. They're celebrating the young son, remember? They got the robe, the, slip, the, the sandals, the ring. The older brother shows up, hears music going. He's ticked. What the heck? What's going on? I'm angry. He wouldn't even go in. He's that mad. His father comes out and begs the older son, but he says, listen to me. All these years I've slaved for you. Does that sound like someone who's, who's free? I've slaved for you, never once refused to do any single thing you told me to do. And all this time, you never gave me even one single goat to have a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours, doesn't even call him his brother, calls him your son, comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing a fatted calf. The father looks at the older son. He says, son, look, you've always stayed with me. Everything I have is yours. You know that. We had to celebrate this happy day. Your brother was dead, and he's come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. The younger son isn't the prodigal son. The older son is. See, I'll, I'll, I'll break it down even farther. The, in the illustration, the father is God. The, the younger son who goes off and squanders the money, well, he represents you and I a lot of times, sinners, right? Rebellion, messing up, doing our own thing, making our own choices that we know maybe aren't the best for us. That's what he represents. The older son, you know what he represents? Religion. He represents religious people. That's what he represents. If, if, and if you would tell the older son, like if I, if I met him today and I said, you know what, you're the lost son, not your brother, he'd look at me like I was insane. He, he would not see it a bit because religious people never see it in themselves. We're not, a, we're not a religious organization. We are a relationship centered on Jesus Christ and a relationship with him and him only. I, I, I'll, I'll blow you away even more. Do you know who Jesus was talking to when he told all three of these stories? Religious people. That was the audience. I didn't even tell you that in the beginning, but I'll tell you now. I'll, re I'll read chapter, or I'll read verse 1 of chapter 15. Listen. <laughs> Tax collectors, they were hated. They were notorious for stealing. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. If you hear nothing else, hear that. Don't miss the word often. These people aren't living righteous lives. These people are in active sin. They are doing what they knowingly shouldn't do. Some notorious, we're talking murderers, rapists, and they're running to hear Jesus speak. Does that make sense? Let's keep going. So they're listening to, and this made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he's associating with such scum, such sinful people, even eating with them. It's disgusting. And then Jesus says, you know what? Let me, let me tell you a story. And then he lays it out. There's this sheep, and then there's this coin, and then there's this lost son. And who is he talking to? The people that thought they knew God. The people that thought, they, they knew of God, they just didn't love like God. 
They knew about the rules, they just didn't have a relationship. They knew they could memorize the law, but they just didn't ask themselves, what would love do? That's who he was talking to. This is the audience for all three of those stories. And guess what happens this week? This week, I'm embarrassed to tell you this, I found myself thinking like a religious person. I couldn't believe it. That's how quickly that poison can get in you. I, couldn't, I could not believe it. And maybe God put it in my mind just to illustrate this to you. I have no idea. I'm out mowing my lawn. And, 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 and the thought keeps going to my head. And you know what the thought was about? Candy Palooza. That's what it's about. The event that we're doing on October 31st. I couldn't get it out of my head. And I'm sitting there mowing the lawn. And I'm thinking, oh gosh. You know, October 31st falls on a Sunday. This is an opportunity. But God, you know, it's, you know, it's Halloween that day. And that's not exactly maybe a Christian holiday. So should we, and here's what I'm asking myself. Man, should we, should we give out candy? I don't know. And then I'm asking myself, should we let, I mean, should we be letting the kids even dress up? I mean, okay, yeah, just, just good outfits, you know, no witches, no clowns, no goblins, no vampires. But, you know, they can do the, you know, dress up like Thanos or dress up like Rapunzel. Um, you know, but, but where do we draw the line? And I kid you not, the thinking that was going on in my head, it bothered me. I, I, it bothered me. You know what I, I, so I'm thinking, so, so this isn't about Halloween. This is about, I'm just telling you how my thought was going. And, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, and God had me play it out. And he's like, Monty, you play this out a little bit, okay? What are you doing Candy Palooza for? We, we want to value the kids, and plus we really want to reach more families. We, we believe it will bring more families in because a lot of families, they do, they do trick-or-treat, and they buy these costumes, and the costumes cost a lot of money, so they can use them more than just that evening, and they can use them in the morning and dress their kid up. Families love that, and the kid gets candy, and then they, whatever. So he said, that's, that's why you're doing it, right? Yeah. So, so, so what if you took the stance that you're thinking about right now? And you say, you know what, Meadows, we're not, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. That's the 31st. That represents evil, so we're not doing it. And here's what we're going to do. No candy that day for the kids because, we're, we're, you know, we're a church. And, and, and none, the kids aren't dressing up that day because that's, that, that could, they might worship Satan someday because of it. So we're not doing it. We're, we're, we're putting our stand. Now, now, ask yourself a question. Your audience, you exist to lead people to Christ. That means you're, you exist to reach people that are lost, like the coin and the sheep and the sun. So you're telling me, think about a family that, they're not a bad family. They're like most families. Jesus just isn't on the radar. They're living their life. They're, they're working jobs. They're, they're, they're not really hurting anybody, but, they're, but they don't go to church. And Jesus isn't really a topic they talk about. They might pray before a meal once in a while, but that's it. That's who you're going after. So, so what if they hear about a church called Meadows? And, and, and the wife is like, a Jim! Jim, I, I heard about this church. You know how the 31st is on a Sunday. This church, they're taking a stance. They're not giving any candy to the kids that day. And they're also not letting any kids dress up. Jim, I know we don't really care about Jesus, and we really don't, don't go to church, but that, that's the church we're going to. Okay, that conversation has happened never, and it never will. You know what conversation could happen? Jim, hey, Jamie got, got invited by one of her classmates to go to Candy Palooza. It's at, a, it's at a church, but I guess they let the kids dress up and they have fun and they give out candy. You know, Jim, we spent $75 on that Rapunzel outfit. We might as well get some use out of it, huh? Uh, you know, Jamie, do you want to go? Yeah, I, I'd love to go. They got candy? Yeah, I'd love to go. And the family shows up for the event. Well, guess what they do? They're going to check Jamie into the kids' room. And, and Jim and his bride are going to come in here. And they're going to hear the word of God. And they're going to hear that God loves them. 
and they're going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and so is their daughter. I, I, I was so bothered by the way I was thinking. I, I, and then I thought about this pastor that told me this. I, this thought came to me. This was years ago. And a pastor told me that he had a woman in his congregation. And she said when the kids came trick-or-treating into her house, because she had nothing to do with it, she'd answer the door. And instead of giving them candy, she'd give them a gospel tract, like, like a, little, a little pamphlet that gives the gospel. I thought to myself, if I was trick-or-treating there, I'd grab my friends and come back there later and egg her house. I don't care. That's what I do. I'm like, yes, well, you're going to show me what you're against, aren't you? I'm against it. And I'm against What are you for? So here we go. You won't reach others and I won't reach others by screaming about what we're against or telling somebody what we're against. You won't reach others, I won't reach others by telling them what we're against. It will not happen. It will not happen. So many people are lost. We are a beacon of light, a church on a hill called Meadows that is called to be this, this hope and this love to people that don't, they don't, they don't know what they're missing. They don't know the love of the Father. They don't know that he'll look over the hill and wait for them to come home and embrace them and hug them and throw a party when they return. They don't know. And some of you here today, some of you watching online, that's you. And you feel lost. And you're struggling. And you're sinning. And you think God is mad at you. And God's like disgusted with me. And God's agitated. He's appalled by the things I'm doing. You know what? God's not mad. You know what God is? Heartbroken. The father, remember the story? The father, the son's gone. The father wasn't mad. He's heartbroken. And every day he gets up and he looks over the hill. And he just waits on the horizon to see his son coming up over the hill. And every day he doesn't see it. He goes back inside and his, his heart breaks even more. Sin breaks the father's heart. You know why? Because it breaks his children. That's why. And if sin makes you mad, but it doesn't break your heart, you need to check your heart. I'll say it again. If sin makes you mad, but it doesn't break your heart, we need to check our heart. God, I hated the way I was thinking. I hated every second of it. From God's vantage point, when we mess up, we're, we're lost in those areas. We're like a lost thing. And he doesn't get mad. You don't get mad. I mean, I'm not mad at my AirPods. I'm mad at the person that stole them because I think Casey might have done it. But anyway, so um, I'm not mad at the AirPods. You get busy looking for them. That's what you do with lost, lost things. You don't get mad at them. You get busy looking for them. And that's what God does. And here, I was, I was all telling Jesus, Jesus, why do you tell the same story three different times? Same story. You know what he showed me? Besides the spoiler alert of the older son being the lost son, here's the other thing he shows me. Those stories were completely different. Can I show you how? Think about it. The sheep, how did the sheep get lost? Well, he, the Bible says he wandered away. He didn't purposely leave the flock. He didn't purposely say, I'm not, you other sheep, I don't hang up with you anymore, I'm going over here. He wandered away. I think, how many times is that us? We don't, we're not, we're not we, I don't mean to hurt you, but it just happened. I didn't mean to end up here, but all of a sudden I'm here. I mean, I'm not, I'm, not a bad, I'm not doing bad things. I'm not a bad person. But all of a sudden, I've wandered, and I'm way over here. And I don't even know how I got here, and now I'm lost. The coin, the coin got lost, no fault of its own, right? The coin can't make decisions. The coin was just lost at no fault of its own. You know what I thought about? Children. Why are they our most important ministry? Even, and we think kids are like, you know, just the, well, the, you know, the six-year-old or the seven-year-old. No, I'm talking about the 16-year-old, the 17-year-old. That's what I'm talking about, too. Youth ministry, our youth ministry, 6th through 12th grade, is right there with our kids. And how many of those kids are lost? And you know what? 
for many of them, it's no fault of their own. You know who it's on? The people in their lives that are adults. It could be the parents. It could be, it could be um, relatives. It could be a church maybe that isn't walking alongside them. And they're lost. And they're kids. They need guidance. They need direction. But they're like the coin. They're just lost. We, they're lost because of us. And then there's the son. And his is more purposeful. He, he gets lost because he selfishly gets lost. And I can relate to that. Because I've got a selfish seed that runs through me that God works on every day as I try to surrender to him. But I tell you what, I keep taking it back. But, 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 but I kept thinking, they all got lost differently. But God's great love reaches down and finds them. So God's love reaches down and finds us regardless of why we got lost, of how we got lost, or even what we did when we were lost. The love of the Father extends to all people. All people. That's why we're a church that goes after anybody and everybody. You're breathing? Your lungs are breathing? Well, you have, we have a seat at the table for you. Regardless of what you've done, regardless of where you've been. And the moment we start thinking of a, down a religious, no one's ever... <laughs> Three words summarize three stories the sheep was lost he was found they rejoiced the coin was lost it was found they rejoiced the son was lost and he was found and they rejoiced and this constant theme goes out that chapter ringing true that lost things matter over four years 452 people were lost. They've been found. We should rejoice. That's 452 people that are now destined for heaven. Over four years, 209 people have declared by baptism, I was lost. I was found. We will rejoice. I was lost. I was found. We rejoice. I can't hear you. I was lost. I was found. Rejoice! We're going to celebrate. We have so much to celebrate, but yet I, I know God still wants to do so much in your life. Everybody in the chapter, by the way, experienced joy except one. The older son. Every, read it. Read it for yourself this week. Chapter 15. And the coin, we think, was even happy somehow. So everybody experienced joy except that older son. Religiosity. Pharisee. I don't ever want to be that. God, I hope I'm never that. Jesus didn't come to make you religious. He came to show you the love of the Father. That's why he came. Everybody is somebody God loves. Everybody is somebody God loves. But to celebrate God's love for me while withholding that love from the person next to me that God loves just as much as me, well, that's hypocrisy. Or, or you know what? That's what repels people from the church. We will not be, we will never be that church. Everybody is somebody that God loves. Everybody is somebody that Jesus died for. Everybody is welcome at Meadows Church. There is a place for you here. There is a purpose for your life. God loves you. Jesus, let's just park there for just a minute as we close. Everybody is somebody that he died for. You're somebody that Jesus died for. Whether you believe it or not, whether you acknowledge it or not, I just want to, my job is to give you truth and I'm going to do it. You're someone that Jesus died for. So 2,000 years ago, I, I wrote it down. I said, 
Yeah, first of all, I kind of described it because I always like to remind myself what he went through. I, I can't comprehend it. I never will. It wasn't even the physicality of it. It was more of the, the, the spiritual piece of it that was the most painful for Jesus. But, I, but <laughs> the physical is enough for me. Hanging on a cross for six hours, bleeding out, slowly suffocating over six hours until you're dead. That's what happened to him. I wrote 2,000 years ago, hope hung on a tree for you and for me. And everybody that day that witnessed that event, they, they, they would be horrified. They were horrified at what they saw. Just repulsive. And he did it out of love. Because that's what love said Jesus should do. And Jesus said, I'll do it. After all, I am love. And when they witnessed the horrific event, guess what? The movie, <laughs> it was over. You can roll the credits, right? Hope was gone. It was done. Spoiler alert. It wasn't over. It was actually just beginning. Three days later, some women went to the tomb. They brought spices with them because that's, you anoint a dead body with spices. So they show up at the tomb. And as they arrive at the tomb, imagine their, their, their surprise when they get there and the huge stone that's always in front, it's already rolled away. They're not even there yet. So who rolled it away? Spoiler alert. When they got there, Jesus wasn't dead. Spoiler alert. Jesus was alive. That's right. He defeated sin. He defeated death. He defeated the devil. You don't have to go looking for hope. It's right here. It's right here. For God so loved the world that he gave. So God's love on a cross for you and for me. So God's love saves us. Spoiler alert. It doesn't. What do you mean? God loves everybody, true? Is everybody saved? God's love don't save you. It doesn't save me. God's grace saves you through your faith. This is what so many religious people miss. As they think they gotta be good and earn it, you can't earn it and you never will. God loves you. There's nothing that you can do that will make him love you less or more. But there's something that you can do that will, that will allow him and the angels to celebrate like never before. Remember who was celebrating? They celebrated as like one lost sinner comes home. The gospel of Jesus Christ is Jesus dying on a cross and rising from the dead. Most people know that story. Many people believe in the story, but they've just never sold out to it. They've never given their life to it. They've never surrendered to it. And this is the key. It's this repentant heart salvation saying, I, I am a sinner, I have messed up and I need something different. The reason that the older son, the, the real prodigal son, the reason he couldn't see it, he was blind to it. Many people that, okay, let me say it this way. Do you know how many people out there today believe that they're good to go with God and aren't? Millions, 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 maybe billions. They're not bad people. They're not like the people you read about in the news. But Jesus just doesn't have their heart. They have a head knowledge. I did. Growing up Catholic, I knew about Jesus, believed in it. I just didn't surrender my life to it. I lived my life on my terms like the guy in the pig pen. That was me. Thank God when I came to my senses and, and God rescued me by his grace through my faith. See, grace covers all your sins, past, present, future. But by, your, by faith, you have to believe that that will happen. 
and, and tell Jesus to for, ask him to forgive you and come into you and make you new, he will do that. That's how you're saved. I'll say it every weekend. I'll never stop telling you how to, how to be saved. God's love does not save you. God's love loves you. God's grace through your faith saves you. The older, the older son, did the father love him? Desperately. Did they have a relationship that it sound like? No. I was, I was your slave. I did this because you told me to do it. That's not a relationship. He believed he was the father, but he just didn't have that relationship with his father. Today, my prayer for you, and for anybody watching and listening online, is that you will surrender to the fact that Jesus Christ died and rose for you. And, and, and on the heels of that, that we also will never forget who we are as a church. Jesus came to seek and save who? Lost people. We're always about reaching people that don't know Jesus. And most of the times they're not heathens or drug addicts. Most of the time they're just regular people that you work with and live by, neighbors. And you guys, maybe your lives don't even look a lot differently during the week, but Christ is not in their life. That's who we're going after. That's why there's invite cards along with Candy Palooza cards. We're, we want you to invite people. We want you to sh share hope with people. Bring them into an environment where they can hear that Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, for by, for by God's grace you have been saved through your faith. That, that you didn't do it yourself, you can't. It is a gift. Say gift. It's the greatest gift you'll ever get. You want to talk about a birthday gift? Accept the grace of God right now. Accept the grace of God right now. And for some of you, you think you've done it and you haven't. And they're the hardest people to reach. Hardest people to reach. The hardest, the hardest person to reach is somebody that thinks that thinks they've already been reached. It's, it's, it's virtually impossible. When I was dead in my drug addiction, I, I knew I needed help. When he's eating with pigs, he knows he needs help. When I'm living at home, I'm doing all the chores, I'm doing right, the right thing, I'm being obedient, I'm doing what you tell me, I'm following all the rules. Try to convince him he's lost. Good luck. I can't convince anybody of it, but what I'm praying right now is that the Holy Spirit will, will, will speak to you. Do you live differently? Is he really in you? Are you, are, do you, okay, here's a question. Are you compelled to reach out to lost people? If during the week you're not really compelled to, to reach out at all just with love or something, it would be weird to have the Holy Spirit in you and not feel a burden for people that don't have that. And if you don't have that burden, I'll say it. The Holy Spirit's probably not in you because he changes you. You're not perfect, but I'm telling you, it's hard to have God inside of you and not love who he desperately loves and go for who he des desperately came for. You've been saved by God's grace through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift from God, not by works. You can't, you can't earn it, lest anyone should boast. We can't boast about it because it's God doing it to us, but you do need to receive it like any gift that's given. And most people know the gift is there. They just won't bow down and surrender and take it and allow God to start to change them. That's my prayer for us. Because if we're a church that is changed through the power of the Holy Spirit, well, the growth will happen. That's, that's, you don't have to force growth. Healthy things grow. Life change will happen. That's automatic. I just want it to be in us because if it's in us, it's going to flow through us. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for your word and your truth. Wow, spoiler alert. We don't have to live the way we've been living anymore. We can live differently. Spoiler alert. Your love doesn't save us. Your grace saves us. You love us regardless. That doesn't change. 
But when we accept your grace by our faith and your Holy Spirit enters into us, the Bible says that we're a new creation. It does not mean we're perfect. It means that we're, we're, we're seeking the one who is perfect. And he's changing us day by day, sometimes slower than we would like. But God, you, you do a work today. You do what only you can do. My prayer for everybody listening and watching today, for those watching online, I pray that if they're realizing that there are things in them that are lost, that they're going to choose you today. And they'll just, they'll, right now, as I pray, they're going to they're gonna type, I choose Jesus in the comments. For anybody in the room, God, I'm praying as your Holy Spirit moves through the prayer, God, the Spirit of the Lord is in this place. And I pray that they'll be compelled to pray with the prayer team, who even as I pray, I want to invite to come towards the stage right now. And there will be people after I'm done praying that they'll be compelled. They might pray with somebody next to them. Sometimes we do that. This week, I'm just going to let them do that if they want. If they want to come up for prayer, they can do that. I'm going to trust that your Holy Spirit's going to give them the strength to do what you want them to do. People here are desperate for prayer. I pray they come up and flood the prayer team. I pray they turn to a neighbor. They might not even know him and say, hey, you want to pray with me? And we'll do it because that's who we are as a church. Jesus, you came to seek and save those who are lost. And at one point in life, we're all lost. But when we're found, when the sun sets us free, we are free indeed. God, set people free today. Do what only you can do today. Thank you for four years of leading people to Christ and their God-given purpose. God, thank you for the opportunity to be your church. You didn't need to choose us to reach people on your behalf. You could have done it all by yourself, but you love us so much that you chose us to be this vehicle, this, this, this person that could love somebody else. I pray we invite this week. I pray that we love families. I pray that we have to buy so much candy for Candy Palooza that, we, that Walmart doesn't even know what to do with themselves, God. We love you. We thank you. And we'll never stop declaring, God. We've been declaring it for four years. We'll declare it for 40 years, 400 years. The best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, amen. Hey, I wanna thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I wanna ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.